Hello, it's great to be with you today and it's great to be opening God's Word together. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Melinda Cousins and I'm a pastor and a teacher of the Bible here in Adelaide with Baptist Churches of South Australia. I also uh, had the privilege of working with Global Interaction as State Director here for a number of years and have visited a number of our teams of cross-cultural workers in various places around the world. And I'm always so encouraged and inspired but also challenged when I see what our cross-cultural workers are doing as they seek to make connections in their local communities. They spend time learning the language and the culture so that they can share the good news of Jesus in a way that makes sense in their context. Seeing communities empowered to develop their own distinctive ways of following Jesus is such a gift and a challenge to us as the church here in Australia, as that's what we seek to be on about too. Now, I don't normally preach from my lounge room, but these are not normal times. And I pray and trust that in this difficult season, your church is caring for one another well, and you are finding ways to care for and connect with your local community. One of the things I've been wondering about this challenging season is whether one of the temptations is that we look inward. We kind of retreat and hunker down and go into survival mode and just try to get ourselves through. And I'm really encouraged that your church is continuing to look outward even in these difficult circumstances, that we are continuing to be who we are, the people of God, because we have a God whose heart is for the whole world and a God who invites us to partner with him in his mission of making Jesus known and of reconciling all things to him. And we know that around the world today and in some of the places where our cross-cultural workers are even now, there are going to be really difficult challenges in this season. And so we pray that we might continue to support and pray and give and learn from what they are doing as we're all part of God's mission together. So this month, we are sitting in the story found in Acts 15 of the Jerusalem Council. Now, you may have thought that was an interesting passage to choose, um, but I don't know, this is such a key moment in the history of the church. It's a turning point in the New Testament where you have the early church, which up until this point has predominantly been made up of believers from a Jewish background, versed and immersed in the Old Testament scriptures, who've been circumcised, who've kept Torah, who've kept the Sabbath laws, who've kept all the food laws, and now have seen and come to know Jesus, the Messiah, as the fulfillment of that story. And then you have these Gentiles, people who aren't a part of that story, who haven't got that history and tradition, who have also heard the good news of Jesus and are now coming into the family of God. And the early church is wrestling with what does this mean for us to be family together? How does this work? Do these Gentiles need to become like us, like Jews first, before we can together be the family of God? And I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but if the decision of the Jerusalem Council had gone the other way, that would have had massive ramifications for the church throughout history, down through to people like me and us today. Of course, God and his wisdom is able to fulfill his purposes. But it's an interesting thought that this council is a key moment that sees the good news opened up and go out from Jerusalem, as Jesus had asked of his disciples, to the ends of the earth. And we are all invited in. 
And so last week, we looked at the beginning of the story in Acts chapter 15 and saw that's about faith, not religion, both for Jew and for Gentile. It is faith that has brought them into the family of God. It was never keeping the law for the Jews that brought them into relationship with God. That was their response, but it was by faith, not their religion. And the same is true of the Gentiles. It is by faith that they have all come to know Jesus. And so today we come to this next part of the story in Acts chapter 15, verses 5 to 11, where we really have two different groups, two different opinions and views, and we see the wrestle as they seek to listen to one another and listen to the Holy Spirit to discern what God is saying and really to come to know more of God's heart for this world. And so on one hand, we have some Jewish believers. So people who have come to know Jesus are followers of his but come from a Jewish background. And in this case, particularly from a background of being Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, I'm sure you've heard of them. Jesus had a lot of interactions with them in the New Testament. But what we need to understand is that the Pharisees' intentions were actually honourable and right. The Pharisees honoured God's word, the Torah, the law that God had given to his people hundreds of years before. And they sought to keep it and they sought to ask everyone to keep it because they wanted to see God come and work in their time and their place. And so they had all been circumcised and they tithed and they kept the Sabbath and they never ate the food that the food laws said they shouldn't eat. In fact, they never ate with people who ate the food that the food laws said they shouldn't eat. They were very careful to do all the right things. But Jesus says to them that they've actually missed the heart and the intention of the Torah, of the law, because they have placed burdens upon people. And the whole purpose of the law was not to burden God's people, but to invite them to respond to what it meant to live in relationship with him. Anyway, so this group, this group who have come from a background of the Pharisees, understandably at this point in the story, they think, well, surely, surely these new Gentile believers need to come into the family in a similar way. They should be circumcised because that's the sign of the covenant that has been kept for hundreds of years. And they should keep some of these laws that we have been taught to keep. It makes logical sense to them because that's their experience of being a part of God's family. But then on the other hand, you have Peter, Simon Peter, the disciple who walked with Jesus and went through all kinds of ups and downs in his relationship with Jesus, who's now one of the key leaders of the church. And Peter is able to speak out of his experience because he has seen God at work. Just a couple of years before, Peter probably would have been in the same group as the Pharisees, Jewish believers on this side, where he would have thought, surely in order to come into God's family, there are certain things that you have to do according to the law. Peter himself was concerned to keep the food laws and to make sure that he was doing the things that the law asked of him. But then God opened his eyes and he had an experience of God's spirit being poured out on Gentiles just as it had been poured out on him and on the Jewish believers. And so Peter had seen that God made no distinction. And so he is able to stand up at the Jerusalem council and give this passionate speech where he says, we have seen what God has done. God has made no distinction. God has not placed this burden on these people. How can we do the same? And it's Peter's voice that prevails in the Jerusalem council. And the people of God decide that the Gentiles have had their hearts changed by God. And that is the key. They walk in step with Jesus because of their changed hearts, which I would say is what the law was always intended to do. 
the Torah that God gave in the Old Testament pointed out what it looked like to live in relationship with God, to reflect God's character. But prophets like Jeremiah were able to say this was always pointing forwards to a day when God would change his people's hearts. And so they would live out that relationship with him because of what had happened on the inside rather than because of a law that existed on the outside. And so Peter says, the hearts of the Gentiles have been changed and so they are accepted as part of the family of God alongside the Jews. Now what Peter is doing here in making this decision is actually exactly what Jesus has been living out and teaching in his time with his disciples. Peter has seen this and heard this from Jesus himself because Jesus never put burdens on people. He didn't complicate and put rules and barriers in their way and say, before you can come to me, here are all the things you need to do. Jesus accepted and embraced and welcomed all. Jesus was known for eating at tables with tax collectors and sinners, sinners, which got himself into a lot of trouble with the Pharisees. But Jesus was also known for eating at tables with Pharisees and saying to them, you are welcome as well. Jesus embraced and offered himself to the rich and to the poor, to the young and the old, to male and female, to the sick and to the well. He welcomed everybody in and didn't seek to complicate or put barriers or burdens in their way. And yet, at the same time, Jesus didn't compromise on his message of radical discipleship. Jesus called people to a heart transformation that would overflow into every area of their lives that they would be changed and that they would walk in step with him, taking up their cross and following him as his disciples. Or as he put it, keeping the law, which he summed up as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and loving your neighbour as yourself. These things would overflow from them when once their hearts had been changed, once the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them. And so Jesus was able to find this incredible balance between not complicating or burdening people with religion or rules or practices, welcoming and embracing everyone, and yet not compromising on the message of truth and transformation, allowing people to come into relationship with him and then their lives be changed so that they might live it out in radical new ways. And this is the story of the gospel that we have seen repeated in life after life after life for generations throughout the church. And we're seeing it around the world today. I hope you've taken the time to watch that beautiful film in step and to hear the story of Baba W, this Muslim man from the Yao in Malawi, who has had his life changed, who thought that faith was all about following the rules and doing the right things and being obedient and actually met Jesus in a radical way in a dream and had his whole life turned upside down. But then in response now lives out a life of obedience and submission and love and service as he seeks to make Jesus known to others and to teach and share the good news of what Jesus has done. He finds himself sitting in that same balance that Jesus taught in that same decision that Peter advocated for at the Council of Jerusalem, that we do not complicate the faith. We welcome all into the gospel of Jesus, but we do not compromise on the truth of what it will mean to live it out in practice. I was in Southeast Asia earlier this year, just in January before the world changed. 
uh, and I met with some uh, of the cross-cultural workers from Global Interaction there and in particular met a man that they have been working with who shared his heart and his story of coming to faith and just another story yet again this is happening every year every week every month all around the world as people's lives are being changed and they realize that they don't have to change who they are they don't have to give up their cultural identity and become like us in order to meet Jesus but who also know that when they have met Jesus their life will change and they will be transformed and they will figure out new ways of living it out I hope that you're seeing it in your church. We've had a young woman in my church uh, who's come from Central Asia to be a student in Australia and while here has read the Bible and, and come and met with some Christians and, and heard the good news of Jesus and accepted and responded to it and finds herself in that same place of figuring out what, what is it that Jesus wants to change in me but how do we make sure that we are not putting burdens on her and expecting her to be like us because we want her to go back to her home country and to be able to make the good news of Jesus known to her family and friends in a way that makes sense to them. So where are the people in your community, in your neighbourhood, perhaps who've come from different cultural backgrounds or perhaps who just live an Australian secular cultural lifestyle that is quite different to what they see in the church? And how are we able to make the good news of Jesus known to them in a way that doesn't place burdens or expectations or barriers in their way, and yet in a way that invites them to the radical transformation that the gospel can bring into their lives when their hearts are changed? I wonder what that looks like in this season for you and for your church. Maybe it's more difficult with some of the uh, isolation and requirements that we face at the moment and with some of the struggles that we find ourselves going through, whether economically or health-wise. But we're also finding there is great opportunity as people in difficult situations ask questions about who Jesus is. And if we can make, make known that there is no barrier they have to jump over, but Jesus' welcome and embrace extends to all, and invite them to come and meet him and have their hearts changed, we too might see that radical transformation lived out in new ways in our own context. So what a wonderful God we have and what a wonderful embrace we have from King Jesus who invites us to follow him. Perhaps the final challenge today is for ourselves. What does it mean for us to embrace the radical transformation of Jesus in our own lives and to see that those things uh, that he calls us to are not burdens but are the outworking of what it means to know him, that we might continue to be his disciples no matter what circumstances we face and continue to make the good news known to everyone, whether in our local community or through those we support on the other side of the world. So let me pray. King Jesus, we thank you that you came as one of us and made God known to us once and for all. And you didn't put any burdens or barriers in our way, but you openly welcome all of us, no matter where we come from, no matter who we are. Lord, I pray if there are some amongst us today who haven't heard that invitation or haven't realised that it's for them too that no matter what language we, we speak or culture we come from or demographic or economic situation or financial or health situation, you invite us at just as we are to hear and respond to the good news. 
And for all of us who have responded to and accepted that good news, Jesus, we pray that we might live lives that overflow from transformed hearts, that we might be disciples who make disciples who make disciples, and that we might continue to see your mission and your invitation extended in our local communities and around the world. We pray that our churches might be beacons of light and hope and love as we walk in step with Jesus, even through this difficult situation. And we pray for our teams of cross-cultural workers around the world, that they too might be beacons of light and love and hope in their situations as they walk in step with Jesus. And that we might see you bring more people into your family, into your kingdom, through what you're doing in and through all of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.